Hey everybody, so welcome to this um, Topics on My Mind for the today, the 29th of October 2023, two days away from Halloween. And um, as you can see, I pretty much got it all outlined here so you guys can see exactly how I'm going to go in order uh, and everything. And if I chapter this up, uh, you'll know as well. So first of all, we're going to start with, you know, my work, uh, my vlogging on work this past week and um you know i will say that it was a quick it w the week went by quick I i'll put it that way but it was i guess you can consider an amazon like week because for a majority of the week um i was working on the i was walking uh, working i should say in the amazon section if you will for the the returns um because my job basically does the, um, my, my job basically, that being Kohl's, where my sister also works as well, um, they have an agreement with Amazon. And I don't know if they're the only ones, I'm sure there's others, but they're the main ones that I know of that have an agreement with Amazon to do returns. So if you have, so if you order something from Amazon and it's not what you want or it comes in poor condition or whatever, uh, you can return it through Kohl's. So you, once you return it to Kohl's, they'll process it, they'll send it uh, to the distributing centers, like where I work, and then they'll have uh, stripping, take it out of the trailers that they arrive in, and then they'll go over to the Amazon section after being, you know, placed on uh, pallets or already palletized, if, you know, that's the case, you know, with a date and time and everything or a date, you know, as to when they were uh, palletized or, you know, stripped off the truck and from when they're going to be sent out, you know, sent back to Amazon to be uh, looked over. So, um, it's, so it's been one of those kind of weeks, mainly, where I've worked mainly in Amazon. What are you doing? You know, so, hold on for a sec. Alright, sorry about that, guys. Just checking something and everything. Um, and hold on again. Sorry about that, guys. Um, yeah, my mom's uh, asleep on the couch, but she gets up once in a while. Because, you know, she has to move about. But still, it feels like she does that because she knows I'm recording and wants to see what I'm doing and stuff. Uh, anyway... Yeah, like I said, it was a it was an Amazon uh, kind of week, if you will. Um, you know, at work, because like I said, with Amazon and Kohl's, they have a deal where uh, Kohl's will um, take the Amazon returns and distribute them to our distributing center, and then we'll sort them out, either palletize them, and then bring them out put a date as to when they've been palletized and when they need to be shipped back to Amazon or uh, or we'll put the items onto pallets you know because of the fact that um, you know they might be scattered about in in the truck in the trailer so most of the week for me it was an Amazon week except for Thursday but even Thursday I ended up doing Amazon because of the fact 
that um, they needed my help in like the last hour because somebody was leaving early. And uh, that, that seems, seems to have been the case two days in a row, Friday and Thursday. You know, because they would take somebody that was over there and stripping and bring them over to Amazon to scan. And um, mainly it was because this one girl, I think, left early because she has school. And that's the one, one thing that I look at as possible as a possible advantage for, for me to, um, you know, stay, stay there, even on a part-time basis, the fact that they might need people because others still have school and everything to, to finish up. Um, anyway, that's kind of what was going on this past week and everything at work. And like I said, it went by fast. The, the only thing I will say about the Amazon part you know, when you're doing the Amazon returns, um, after you get the stripped, you know, the, the, the palletized returns from stripping, and then you basically, you basically, um, take that, you know, take that palletized, uh, those palletized items and you just, you know, tear the plastic off where, uh, basically, you know, or not the plastic, but the shrink wrap off to a, basically it's like, why even shrink wrap it, right? Well, you got to, because if you try doing it on its own, unless it's very small items, uh, it's going to fall over and topple, and you don't want that. So, <laughs> so the one thing I will say about it that's kind of, uh, kind of stressful at times, uh, but once you get the hang of it, it's like, okay, I know what's going to happen here, just, just let it happen, see what happens, right? So, so one of the more stressful I wouldn't say stressful, but one of the more frustrating things at times, not just for me, but for others, is when you're in the trailers. Now, surprisingly, two trailers are not as bad. One could get bad, but not necessarily. And that one is the middle trailer known as non-con. That's for the non-con items and everything. So that sometimes could get bad. The first trailer, you know... Um, on the Amazon side is for soft lines and that can get bad too, but not as bad. You know, surprisingly, that's a little bit more easier at times. You know, not too easy, but it's a little easier. And sometimes it could be the reverse. Non-con can be easy and soft lines cannot be. Because, you know, non-con, sometimes you'll get some, you only get a, a few in between and sometimes you'll get a lot here and there, um, if you will. But the one that got hit the hardest uh, throughout the week I was in there um, was hard lines and when I talk about get hit the hardest I'm talking about the fact that you know it's like I'll be in the trailer when it's my time to load and I'll be putting them you know trying to catch them as best I can and they'll be coming off the conveyor belt and sometimes they'll be coming off, off the conveyor belt so much that you know they will basically drop on the floor and make a mess and we're told and rightfully so, we're told that you got to try to stay ahead of the machine. And that's easier said than done. It's easier said than done. So, you know, we're, we're trying our best. We're trying our best and everything. But, yeah, it gets to a point that the person that's in charge of Amazon, the problem solver, has to come in and help us. And, again, and again here's the thing. Hard lines is, you know, hard lines is the most frustrating out of that. Sometimes it can be easy, sometimes, but most times it's not. Like I said, the ones that are easier than that are soft lines and non-con. You know, that's where it gets a little frustrating. 
And what makes it even more frustrating at times, too, for a lot of people that do this is the fact that um, the conveyor belt, you know, it goes it goes at a normal speed. I'll put it that way. It goes at a normal speed, sometimes a little faster than you would expect, but it goes at a normal speed to where, you know, when you see uh, the item with your, with the, uh, uh, with the, uh, what, what's the one I'm looking for, for with the category tagged on it like non-con soft or hard you know you're usually able to to see it you can see it right so when you see it you can grab a hold of it as best you can scan it and then sh you know send it down to the trailer Ailer, um uh, send it down to the trailer via conveyor belt because we have the conveyor belts connected to where it's like all of it's on it's like you turn it on it all runs all together all runs at once so we have like uh, four conveyor belts, or not five, but six conveyor belts. Two for hard line, two for non-con, two for uh, soft lines. So basically when you get them and you, scan, you get the uh, items for the category you're scanning, or the area, or the department you're, or the, yeah, the category department you're scanning, you know, you just shove it down that other conveyor belt, and that's also connected to a snake conveyor, as, they, as it's called, that's not automatic, but basically, it's one of the regular, um, one of the regular um, uh, snakes, if you will, or conveyors, if you will, wheeled conveyors that you, that's not electric, but you got to wheel it out yourself. You got to wheel it to where it's going to connect to to get to get the job done. Um, anyway, anyway, though, hard lines out of all of them is probably the most frustrating because that's obviously a very popular category to shop in for a lot of folks like I said non-con and soft lines can get that way too but not as much you know they're usually trading back and forth like sometimes it'll be a non-con it'll be just as bad as hard hard lines or second to worst of hard lines sometimes it'll be soft lines you know it all depends but what makes it even crazier and I say this with all due respect is the throwers and I know anybody listening and watching probably understands where I'm coming from you see the throwers you know, are usually told, and when I was told this, you know, by one of the head supervisors, su seasonal supervisors, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try my best to, to heed by that. I'm going to try my best to, you know, make that, you know, make that happen. Because what one of the supervisors told me was, when you put it on the conveyor belt, make sure it's like a few feet apart, or a few inches apart, if you will, like three, four inches three or four feet or three I would say basically a foot apart if you will or three or four feet apart you know at least give it enough space like three or four like give it a foot a foot or two of space if you will but always make sure that the the label that says where it, where it needs to go is always facing you it's always facing uh, the person that's scanning so you know I, I took I took what I was told old there to by the supervisor to heart i'm like okay that's what it's got how it's got to be done makes it easier right some of the throwers and i'll say it with all due respect because again i know i'm not the only one that probably deals with this in in this kind of environment sometimes they just toss it on there like all of a sudden you're oh it's like all of a sudden you could be in the middle scanning you could be uh the first one scanning or you could be all the way on the left scanning because the way they have it set up is Soft lines is after is right next to the people throwing. A few feet down is the non-con scanner, and then a few feet after that is the hard hard line scanner. So, we'll um, so basically, 
what will happen is that, you know, again, you know, I'm told and we're told basically to make sure it's all facing out, right? The labels are facing the scanner so we can scan them and then push them down to down the conveyor belt to where they got to go or to the trailer they got to go to. Well, sometimes the people that would throw the boxes onto the thing, they wouldn't do that. Sometimes they just toss them on there like, like that and everything without the labels being, without the labels facing us. Sometimes the labels would be, you know, if they're, if the labels are like on top of the box, not on the side or anything like that, um, sometimes the label will be facing in the opposite direction. So we got to either reach our hand over with the scanner and go click on it or turn it around and click on it and push it. Or if we see it coming down uh, the conveyor belt and has the label on the side, we got to click it right there or grab it, turn it, click it, and then push it. And then... And then, you know, well, first of all, that's not an issue at all. But the issue that does come around sometimes is, you know, when they toss it onto the conveyor belt and the label is not seen. That Now, usually that would mean, okay, there's no label. That's a problem freight. Put that to the side. But if there is a label, what you need to do, and you don't see it, you know, you don't see it, what you need to do is lift the box, turn it around, you know, turn it upside down to see if there's a label. And if there's a label... You got to click on it. And sometimes that, that interferes with everything else because everybody else is waiting on their items to come to them because one of the boxes that gets tossed, you know, they didn't toss it correctly. Another thing, too, that's a bit of a problem with the throwers. And again, I know I'm not the only one that's dealt with this. The, only, the other problem with the throwers, you know, in this kind of a situation is they're not taking what is being taught to them, you know, seriously. Because when you're told, hey, put some space between the boxes, make it easier, they're not doing that. They're just going boom, 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 and then that's it. It's almost like it's almost like they have this belief. It's almost like they have this belief that the quicker they do this, the quicker they can, you know, get go home. You know, it's kind of like with a lot of jo- it's kind of like with some jobs in retail. It's like okay, if you get this done, you, it's like when you're told by a supervisor or boss and some of the other retail-like jobs, or grocery-like jobs, that, hey, if you get this done, you know, get this done, that, you know, you'll be able to probably go home early if it slows down within the next hour or so, right? That's not the case here. That's not the case here. I mean, there'll be times we'll get uh, VTO and everything. We'll get VTO offered to us if it's a little slow in the area, and some of us will take it. But... Most of the time, it's, you know, you got to keep yourself busy. You got to keep yourself busy. And I know people understand that. But they also, but I think they also have this mentality, well, of, well, if I get this all done quick and, you know, and everything, we can go home early. Again, that's not how it works. They got to realize that it doesn't matter how fast they go. There's still going to be more and more and more. And we had a lot of pallets full of Amazon returns that got, you know, put together, you know, you know, palletized, if you will, on, you know, from the stripping trailers, you know, to be, you know, scanned and returned to Amazon for uh, refunds or replacement or or, or refurbishing, if you will. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it was just one of those kind of situations to where they still have a lot to learn. They still have a lot to learn, and again, I know I'm not the only one that deals with this at their job, but they have a lot to learn, 
and hopefully over time they will. Hopefully over time they will learn it. Now, I don't know if it's because they look at the fact that, oh, we're just seasonal, we're not going to last long, so why, do we, why should we even care? You know, that's not the case. Because if you take your job seriously and you want to learn and you communicate from what I've been told, and this is with any job, especially if it is seasonal, there's a good chance they're going to keep you. You know, there's a good chance they're going to keep you. There are some jobs I thought was just going to be seasonal, you know, in retail, and I got kept because I'm good, because I, I did what I had to do. I listened. You know, so I don't know if that's that mentality they have. Those are the mentalities they have that, oh, if we get, if we toss these things up real quickly, we can get out of here early and everything. We get it done quickly or, you know, or heck, you know, we're not going to last, we're not going to be here much longer. So why should we care? And that's kind of the attitude I've noticed with some of the people, you know, and again, I know I'm not the only one, but it's an attitude I've noticed with some people to where it's like they, it's, it's like they just don't really want to be there. It's like, you know, they don't want to be there, but they don't want to waste their um, unexcused absences, you know, the UAs. Because we have 80 that's granted to us at the start. And if we use that a lot, it reduces real quickly. So they don't want to use that, you know, at all. But they also give off the, the vibe that they don't want to be there. Now, I'm not saying that's the case for anybody else, because there's a lot of people that I, I was hired with, you know, on the day I was hired, and I saw get hired afterwards that do want to be there because they want to make money and they're hoping maybe, hey, this might lead to something better or, hey, if we are let go, maybe we'll get a good recommendation if we apply elsewhere. You know, they want they want to work. They want to earn that money. But again, I can see that kind of like situation where some people are like, oh, you know, you know, they have this attitude like, you know, oh, I don't want to be here today. Just, you know, but I don't I don't want to I don't want to be here today, but I don't want to waste my hours and everything. And it's like. Well, if you don't want to be there, then why did you... And here's the question anybody has for people like that at any job, seasonal or not. It's like, if you don't want to be here, then why did you even apply? You know, that, that's the thing. You know, if you don't want to be here, why did you even apply? I'm just saying. But, yeah, I kind of noticed that a little bit. I mean, heck, I'll tell you this. Uh, I think it was earlier this week... Um, well, not this week, but last week. I think I mentioned this in the vlog last week. Um, people, when our first shift manager or first shift supervisor, the guy, that's, the guy that's in charge of scheduling along with somebody else, uh, when he called us all for like a little group meeting after, I think, was it lunch or... No, it wasn't lunch. It was first break, after first break. Everybody had this look on their face, and it was like the second time you know, he did this second time in a, in a week that he did this. And everybody had this look on their face like, ooh, are we going to be told we can do VTO? Are we going to get, are we going to be granted VTO? You know, voluntary time off? We, we can go home early? Nope. It was the opposite. It was VTI, voluntary time in. And you can see like, you can just see that excitement just disappear. The disappointment come on their faces like, ah, crap. But you know what's crazy is some of them were okay with that because they're like, all right. I can use the extra money. So, there you go. You know, there you go. But, yeah, you can just tell that, you know, people are getting at that point right now that they're thinking, you know, they're either thinking, I'm not going to be here much longer, so why should I care? Or they get this attitude of, you know, man, they get this attitude of, I don't really want to be here, so, but I don't want to, you know, give up my UA. And then some of them have the attitude, like I said, with the conveyor belt situation, 
to where it's like, oh, if we get this done quickly, we can get out early. That's not the case. That's not the case. And you know what? You know what? I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to say this because it only happened to my job. It's happened at all jobs I've been at. It has. It's happened at all the jobs I've been at. You know, and I'm no, no perfect, you know, pigeon when it comes to it as well. But I've noticed, you know, I've noticed more so than anything that when people have to use the restroom, you know, they'll let the supervisor guy or the problem solver person in charge know so they can take their place for a bit till they come back. You know, I've done that a couple of times, but when I go to the restroom, I go take care of my business, if you know what I mean, and I come back. That's it. Yeah, I check my phone because, heck, it's an opportunity to check my phone, but then afterwards, I come back, you know, after I, ta after I take care of business, if you know what I mean, not to sound disgusting, but I come back, and I get back to work. The people I've noticed here, you know, when it comes to Amazon or wherever, you know, or even, you know, at other jobs I've been at, and I'm sure you've dealt with this as well, um, they will say, oh, we got to use the restroom. And usually for me, I'm about like five minutes at most, unless I really got to go. Uh, but most times I'll see, I'll notice people do that, and they'll be gone for like 10 to 15 minutes. And even the problem solver, the person in charge that's, you know, watching their place, watching the area for them, you know, you you can notice that they'll have a look on the face like, man, you know, what, what's taking this person long? And I'm not, and I don't think they're fooling anybody. Everybody knows, and the supervisors can't say anything about this because no, because of the fact that they can't have cameras in the bathroom, so they can't prove this. They can't have cameras in the bathroom, so they can't prove this. But you can't tell me that nobody that you can't tell me that no one is aware of the fact that what these people are doing is going into the bathroom. You know, maybe taking care of business, but mostly using it as an excuse to be like, Hey, what's going on, folks? Hey, I just thought I'd call you back. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I told them I had to go to use the restroom. Well, they believe me. Ha, ha, ha. You know, it's like... It, it's like you're not fooling anybody. But we can't... But they. But the thing is, the supervisors can't say anything because they don't have proof. They don't have proof, if you know what I mean. But, yeah, people are not... But, 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 get to the, but the thing is... Folks like myself that have been working for over 20 years, and in, over 20 years at various jobs, and even the supervisors and problem solvers, you cannot fool us with what you're doing. Okay? You can't. And eventually what's going to happen is it's going to catch up to you, and it's going to bite you in the butt. Period. It's going to bite you in the butt. Because what's going to happen is they're going to say, oh, you need to go, when you tell them, hey, you, you got to go to the restroom, they're going to say like, okay, hand me your phone. And if you ask, why do you want my phone? It says, they're going to tell you. They're going to tell you. Because I know what you're really up to. I'm not stupid. You know, I, I'm i not stupid. I've seen how long you've been gone. Hand me your phone if you got to go. And then you know what will happen? That person will be like, fine. I'll, fine. I'll, they either give, your, give them, they'll either, you know, just say, you know what? Fine. I'll stay. You caught me. Whatever, they'll admit, hey, okay, you caught me, you got me. Or, they'll be just like, you know what? I suddenly don't have to go. I'll stick around. Just because they'll realize they got caught. So, so yeah, the, you know, the, they're not fooling anybody. Again, the problem is nobody can prove it. Because cameras are not allowed in bathrooms, period. 
the knot. You know. But yeah, otherwise besides that, it's been it was an Amazon like week for me at work. Now I'm not sure what it's gonna be like this upcoming week because they basically scheduled most of everybody for fifty hours, which is mainly four AM to two thirty. Or if you work late night it's three to one thirty. You know, so they scheduled us for, they scheduled mostly everybody for 50 hours, except for those like myself that can't do that, you know, because of my situation, you know, so I talked to one of the first shift people and she was completely under, very, and she was completely understanding of the situation and I told her and she said, hey, don't worry, I'll send an email out and I think she did that right when I told her and my schedule is set to where everybody else, including my little sister, has to go in at four. I, along with other people, will come in later, like 6 or 7. I'm coming in at 6. So, you know, that works out for me. That works out for me. And it helps out because, you know, this week and next week, we've got the $2 incentive to where if we don't miss our schedule, we're not, we don't miss, you know, we don't miss our schedule. We work it out fully, you know, unless VTO is approved. You know, we work it out fully unless VTO is approved. We work our full shift. You know, we were only late by an hour, not, you know, five minutes or a minute after. Then we will be eligible to have an additional $2 added to our check. You know, so I make 16 I'll be making 18 Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. But, yeah, overall, like I said, it's been one of those kind of weeks. And you really start noticing things when you work there, especially when it comes to other employees. So... Thought I'd just say that for the, just thought I'd just bring that up for the vlog portion here. And next up, we're going to get into our topics that you can see here on the screen. Be right back. All right, guys. So the topics we're going to talk about here, you can see them listed. Um, one is Lady Drasamai, or Drasamai, is not leaving the OC adult fan artist community. We'll talk about that. Number two, we'll talk about Republican Mike Johnson is the House Speaker, and the Democrats may not like him more than Kevin McCarthy. We'll talk about that. Number three, the Kansas Jayhawks score a huge upset win over Oklahoma in Big 12 college football play. First victory over Oklahoma since 1997, and why that is significant to someone like me. Number four, we'll talk about All Elite Wrestling, AEW, adding a December pay-per-view called World's End. We'll get into that. Number five, we'll talk about Ray's Frank, uh, Ray's Frank uh, Waterfield. May you know? We'll talk about him may having trouble with releasing Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey two in February 2024. Uh, we'll talk number six. We'll talk about November first is when Christmas music will start playing on Music Choice and various other musical outlets. Number seven, we'll talk about Trip the Sun Gazer being the newest Sonic female uh, character in the franchise. And number eight, we'll talk about El, we'll talk about Eloplex Elo, and Raphael back together in the uh, main IDW Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic. And where does that place Ninjara when she debuts? So, all that and more, or, but mostly that lineup there, guys. So, you'll also see it in the description um, as well. But those are the topics we are going to... Hold on for a second. I think it's a Pepsi there. But those are the topics we are going to talk about here 
So without further ado, be right back with topic number one. Okay, guys, so starting off with number one here, Lady Drasamai, or Drasamai uh, is not leaving the OC adult fan artist community. Now, in case you're wondering what that, what, what I'm talking about, I did a video on this basically talking about the fact that she is a good person, you know, a good person that you should support and everything uh, and go and support basically. Uh, what happened mainly is apparently, and she didn't specifically say, but it sounds like there was a troll or various amount of trolls, you know, cyber bullies here on the internet that had gotten to her, to had gotten to her so much that she was on her, it, it basically almost broke her. It almost broke her and she was basically saying, you know what, I don't want to deal with this anymore. You know, I'm giving up, you know, uh, I'm going to sell off my OC, Drasamaya character. You know, uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, you know, finish up my commissions. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and then I'm done. You know, mainly because a, a troll, as she put it, was trying to bring her down. But what happened is everybody from where she was on Echo's Portal to Twitter to Facebook or wherever she found poured out the love for her they basically said no we, we don't want to see you go you know don't don't let this happen da, 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 da. some person even said you'll let negative thoughts cloud judgment and everything and she took that all to heart and she even took a few days to contemplate what was all the love or contemplate everything people were telling her all the positive love and vibes you know they were sending to her and she then started wondering, okay, well, where can I go to? Where can I go to to where I can conti possibly continue doing this? Because the other thing that was bringing her down is that Patreon was, you know, change, you know, Patreon, like a lot of outlets, like a YouTube, a Spotify, you know, a Twitter, now known as X, and, and other places, are always changing up, you know, the rules and the policies, you know, and sometimes sticking with them, sometimes temporarily sticking with them you know, changing, you know, and then changing back and stuff like that. Um, basically, Patreon had gotten on her about her, you know, about her, her Patreon page, about what she was uh, getting people to uh, support her financially, you know, for, you know, getting sneak peeks at, you know, certain works or getting first glance at comics that she would collab with and stuff. And basically because those policies were changing and she among other people out there was getting targeted and possibly you know at possibly having their page taken down and along with like i said this troll or various trolls that were getting on her you know she just felt like she just again she felt like she couldn't do it anymore she was just mentally fatigued but once she got you know excuse me now but once she got all this you know outpouring of love thrown her way you know, she was just like, she was just, you know, you know, she was just tearing up with, with joy, apparently, from what I understand. She was tearing up with joy and happiness of all this outpouring she was getting from people, all the support. And like I said, that's when I think during the couple of days she took to herself, she was pondering, okay, well, where do I go next if I want to do this still, if I want to keep doing this? And she was asking about certain places like, uh, like I think one place was Fanbox or something like that. 
but then I think somebody or she may, uh, I think somebody may have, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think somebody may have suggested to her to go to Subscribestar. And that's what she did. She went to Subscribestar and, you know, the rest is history. Because apparently Subscribestar is another Patreon-like uh, place to where you could get access before anybody else. But the difference is Subscribestar is less restrictive with what you present. Patreon is not. And I think the reason Patreon is not that way anymore is because just like with places like YouTube, the more you become publicly known, you know, on a not just a na not just on a nationwide ba basis, but an international worldwide basis, you know, the more you become known, the more you become popular, you know, you know, among content creators and, and stuff, you know, the more you're going to have uh, people scrutinizing you and saying, oh, well, you're allowing this and that and, you know, we should have you taken down. And because of that pre and because of that peer pressure, you're like, you know, you're, you'll basically be like, oh, no, 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 don't worry, we'll, we'll, we'll fix this, we'll fix this. And the end result is people that use you to uh, financially support themselves through the support of others get affected, especially those that, you know, have the kind of artwork that uh, Lady D, as I like to call her for short, um, does for a living. So, again, because of that, and somebody and some kind of trolls trying to take her down, she almost wanted to quit, but then that outpouring of love from people like myself and others, the support from people like myself and others, really, really touched her to the point that she started considering other places to go, and she chose Subscribestar because, again, other people have used that to basically be like the main outlet for the more adult erotic artwork that they do you know sometimes the artwork that she does do and i've mentioned this before is along the lines of the fetish kind known as vor soft war or unbirth or even melting you know and you know and again they're, they're less restrictive than patreon because they're not as big as patreon but you know but the more popular because of because of that the more popular because of that so, yeah, she's not leaving. She's not going to be going anywhere. Thank the Lord for that. Um, you know, because she's a good person. She's a good person. And God, to me, you know, you know, he, answering everybody's prayers to help her out. God basically said, you know, look, you can go to this place. This is the place you should go to. You know, it's got less restrictions and you can do what you want to do there, you know, without worrying or anything, you know, at all. Because, again, the less you're known at one place, you know, the more, the less, or the less, not, not the less you're known, but the less the outlet you're a part of is known, the more freedom you can have. And Subscribestar is one of those places to where you can have a lot of freedom. You know, this is why you look at, you know, outlets like, let's say, BitChute, or Archive.org, or, um, or Daily, or to an extent, Vimo, if you will starting to come out and saying, hey, you know, we're, you know, we have restrictions, but we're not as restrictive as YouTube and Daily Motion, you know. So you have them starting to be utilized more so because of less restrictions. But, yeah, in the end, you know, she made the announcement. You know, she made the announcement that she is uh, not going anywhere. She's not leaving. Um, and she's going to continue on. The only difference now is you can find her at Subscribestar instead of Patreon.
Um, she might still keep her Patreon and all that, but she's going to mainly more focus on Subscribestar as well as places like Echo's Portal and Gumroad uh, to showcase, if not sell, her work for people that support her and love her for who she is and what she does. So, so that's, that's about, that's about it there, but, yeah, that, yeah, but, uh, hold on, I almost, almost, almost lost my train of thought there, but, uh, but yeah, that's just a, a good, a great thing to hear and all that, um, and, and this is also something that obviously is, you know, this is something on the internet, you know, whether you're on something like Patreon or on YouTube or wherever, you know, you're going to have to deal with, you know, because there are people, and I said this in the original video, I believe, you know, there are people that are going to try to troll you. They're going to try to cyber bully you because they don't understand. They don't understand why you're into what you're into or why others are into what you're into and they support you. So they're going to, because they don't understand, they're going to try to troll you. They're going to try to break you mentally because it's like, well, if I don't understand it, then nobody else should understand it. You know, or if I, or if I don't understand it and I can't have fun with it, nobody else should understand and have fun with it. And neither should the person that's part of it. You know, they have that mentality. And sometimes it's not even people like that that don't understand it and feel like, well, if I don't understand it, then they shouldn't understand it. So I'm going to, I'm going to break them. No, sometimes it's just bullies. It's cyber bullies. It's trolls. People that just want to cause trouble because they're like, ah, oh, I'm bored. Let's see what I can do. Ah, here's this person. I'm going to troll them. I'm going to break them. That'll make me feel good. You know, that's the kind of world we're in right now. That's the kind of world we're in right now. And again, when it comes to things they may not understand, yeah, that's a lot more challenging. There's no doubt. You know, it's a lot more challenging. There's no doubt. But, you know, the thing is, you know, if they don't understand it, then why, why even bother? You know, just ignore it. Like, hey, that's not your cup of tea. Just ignore it. Leave them alone. You know, it's kind of like with a lot of stuff. You know, if people judge others because of this and that, you know, the answer people give them is like, well, if you if you don't like it, then don't pay attention to it. Or if you don't like it, then why are you even, you know, trying to bring it down? Just ignore it. Go away. Leave. You know, it's all because they're bored. It's like, you know, they need something to keep them, you know, occupied in all that. And mostly... And mostly, I think we all know this, a lot of these trolls and cyber bullies, if you research it, these trolls and cyber bullies are actually young kids. They're either young kids starting in high school or in the middle of high school, but in junior high, middle school, or maybe even in the final years of elementary school, grade school, if you will. Basically, kids that are like in the fifth to, I would say, 12th grade at most, maybe even freshman year at college. But mostly the kids from the, I would say, kids from between the 5th grade to the 11th grade, basically junior year. Those are the kind of trolls you got to look out for. And all you have to do to decipher, you know, like, okay, what kind of troll am I dealing with, is look at how they type and the wording. Because if something is typed up and worded in a way to where it's like, here's a capital letter, small letter, capital letter, small letter. You know, if the wording is like that, to where like one word is, you know, all cap, is like, Cap is like, you know, uppercase letter, lowercase letter, uppercase letter, lowercase letter. And then the next word is the same way. Or the word might have some numbers in it. Then you know that's a kid. You know that's a kid that's like, ooh, I'm going to bully them. Because <laughs> they don't, because they're bored. They're bored. And their parents are not watching them. And that's a shame. 
You know, they're the same. But yeah, we're in that kind of world now. We're in that kind of world now. So my advice to Lady Jocelyn and anybody else that's dealing with this kind of stuff or has dealt with it, one of my advice, check the check how the comments and all that are typed towards you by these trolls and cyber bullies. Only then will you know, oh, it's just a kid. I'm going to ignore it. Because that's all, because mainly that's what you're dealing with, is a young kid. And sometimes that young kid ranges from the um, ages of fifth grade to junior in high school. And that's it. But overall, with all that said, I'm glad Lady Dress, I'm glad Lady D, Lady Jocelyn is not leaving. Um, I thank God that she overcame this and she's not going to let some troll or trolls get her down. And if you want to find her and support her financially, Gumroad and Subscribestar are the main areas to do it. Alright, so our next topic here is Republican Mike Johnson is the new House Speaker and the Democrats may not like him more than Kevin McCarthy. Now, what I mean by that is, in case you don't know, Kevin McCarthy was the House Speaker uh, since the beginning of the year almost. And he made a lot of promises and such. And he was trying to, I guess, work those out and everything. But his main focus, uh, anytime you would watch the news, we do a CNN, Fox, MSNBC, you know, and whatnot, ABC, NBC, CBS. And like I said, CNN, Fox News, Fox Nation, uh, MSNBC, you know, C-SPAN. Um, his main focus was to basically you know, get rid of the Bidens. That's mainly what it was. His main focus was to uh, get Hunter Biden arrested, get him, uh, you know, behind bars for what he did, and by extension, impeach his father, Joe Biden, for pretty much hiding some information that he may may or may not have known of uh, when it came to his son. So that was, like, his main focus. Like, he had other plans that he was, you know, that he's going to go through, he's going to fall through on, but his main focus, like I said, anytime you would tune on the news would be to, you know, get the Bidens, get them out, you know, because, you know, he didn't trust them. He didn't trust them. He looked at them as liars and such. And basically, you know, he's one of the people that felt, I think, in my opinion, I think this is true. He's one of the people that felt that the Bidens, uh, unbeknownst or knowance to them, uh, stole the election. They stole the election in 2020. So he wanted to, you know, get rid of them, even if that meant, putting Kamala Harris in as president. But, um, but yeah, because he was mainly focused on that most of the time, along with some other stuff as well, every Democrat and, surprisingly, Republicans, you know, said, enough with this guy. You know, let's get him out of power. Let's get him out of here. Let's veto him out or vote him out. And, you know, that's what they did. So, Mike Johnson ended up being the new Republican on the, Mike, well, not Mike Johnson, but it came down to Mike Johnson and uh, uh, Jerry Johnson or whoever it was, Jim Johnson, and another person, uh, you know, basically up for the up for the uh, role of of House Speaker, and Mike Johnson won it. He apparently put his name in and said, "Okay, I'll run," and he did. And the reason I think the Democrats may not like him more than Kevin McCarthy is because he is pro-Trump, no doubt, he is pro-Trump, and he is against everything that Democrats have supported, like pro-abortion and, and stuff like that. You know, he's against it. I mean, he even said the abortion is like the freaking, you know, he compared, I should say, abortion to the Holocaust. 
Let's put it that way. So, you know, so yeah, he's he's a, he's a Republican, obviously, obviously, as you see in the title, but he's also somebody that's very pro-Trump. He firmly believes the election was stolen and stuff, but he's also somebody that's going to try to get all parties on the same page. And again, this is where Democrats may not like him because of the fact that, oh, you know, we traded in one Republican that we didn't like for someone that's probably going to be, you know, even more trouble. You know, so we'll see what happens. But, yeah, you know, he's, his main goal is to get a lot of things done, get all sides together on the same page, or at least try to, um, you know, at least try to, if you will. But you can't tell me he's not going to also probably continue where McCarthy left off, where he's going to try to find out, okay, Biden, what are you hiding? You know, you know, what are you hiding? What are you lying about? And you can't tell me he's not going to also try to investigate you know, more so into the election of 2020 being pretty much, you know, a fraud, you know, in everybody's eyes, or at least most, a majority of people's eyes, a fraud, controversial, stuff like that. So, so yeah, you know, he might be, in the, in some Democrats' eyes, he might be more trouble uh, than McCarthy. And, and that's a fact. You know, that's a fact. Because again, you just listen to him, you know, you hear what he's about, you know, what you hear what he's against. And it's like, you know, you know, it's like for, for Republicans, this is like, hey, this is this is great. This is a saving grace for us. This is somebody that's going to get things done, even if they do have other agendas they want to take care of or other agendas that they want to um, uh, finish where, you know, fi uh, uh, they have other agendas that they want to accomplish that were left on the table by the previous regime. So, yeah, they, they look at this guy like, yeah, he's going to get things done. He's going to be someone that actually stands up for what he's saying and, you know, um, and promises. But also as somebody that when he gets the opportunity, is going to say, okay, now let's focus on the Bidens. Let's focus on, you know, what was really behind the, the stealing of the 2020 election. Because even with the 2024 one coming up, you know, and despite what happens there, historically or not, um, you can't tell me that this 2020 election will not still be investigated thoroughly. You know, you can't tell me because it's going to go down as one of those elections to where if, you know, evidence is found out that, yeah, it was tampered with. Yes, certain people like the Bidens, like Pelosi, like Harris, you know, knew about it and they were trying to hide it. They were trying to cover it up. The main thing that I think could happen, because this has all been about history, right? I mean, McCarthy was the first House Speaker in history to be voted out. You know, so, you know, so I think what's going to happen is, I don't know if they have the power to do this, but I could see them saying, okay, you know, we found out what we knew pretty much is the truth. So we're saying this election, you know, never happened. They can pretty much, you know, erase the 2020 election from from history and that's a fact that's a fact so you know him being you know house speaker might be something that you know the democrats may find worse than um than kevin mccarthy but we'll see we'll see all right guys so the next topic we're going to talk about here is uh excuse me is yesterday the kansas jayhawks the football team scored a huge upset over Oklahoma in Big 12 college football. 
And what's interesting is it's the first victory over Oklahoma, as far as, you know, what they've been saying, since 1997. And honestly, and I'll be honest with you, I watched most of the game and it was good. It was really good. But the reason I bring up, you know, the, you know, the year um, as being the last time they beat Oklahoma, you know, is because, you know, of its significance when it comes to me. You see... This was around the time that I was a junior, that I was a senior. That's right. I was a senior in high school uh, when they first, uh, when they last won. So that's that's a pretty big deal to to know that the last time they got a victory over the Sooners was when I was a senior in high school. You know, so to know that they finally accomplished that, you know, after all this time is a pretty big deal. Now, you might wonder, well, how long has that been? Well, 1997 to now, it's been about 26 years. That's, that's pretty big. It's a, a, a very long time as far as I, as far as I know, and as far as they've reported, it's a long time since that's happened. And with this win, the Jayhawks are once again, for the first time in quite some time, uh, I think the first time since about, what, 2000, set, since about, 2007, 2008, when they were going on that huge run uh, in the Big 12. You know, that was the year they actually went to the, I think, to the Orange Bowl, I believe. I think they went to the Orange Bowl that year. Or they, let, me, let, me, let me check something. Hold on. Hold on for, hold on for a second. Let me, uh, let me check something here. So, let me see. Let me see. Yeah, First time since uh, the 2007-2008, if you will, you know that the uh, Jayhawks won, and they won the Orange Bowl that year. They were 11 and one uh, that 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 year, um, if you will. And then I think the following year, unless this is a mistake on their part, the following year they played in the Insight Bowl. Which they won as well. You know, so. You know, so they won those games. And everything. So that's pretty cool. Uh, that's pretty cool and everything. Um, that they got that. And then of course. Uh, then of course basically they went into the Liberty Bowl. And I think they lost that one. I think they lost the Liberty Bowl last year. Uh, and everything. Yeah, they did by, by three. They lost the Liberty Bowl by three to Arkansas. Um, but yeah, they, but yeah, uh, that was the year, the last time they beat the Sooners in the 97-98 season was when they went to the Orange Bowl and won, and they had the record of 11-1. and one. Now they're 6-2, and, and up next for them is Iowa State, who I 
think I don't know what their skid what what their um, you know what their um, record is. I have to look here. Their record is five and three. Their record is five and three, and the Kansas is going to go to Iowa. To, it's going to go to their home turf in Ames, Iowa, to face them. So that's going to be an interesting game because both, you know, because Iowa, Iowa State needs to win it to get bowl eligible. Kansas is already bowl eligible and everything. So, you know, that's, you know, that's, it's going to be, it'll be a must win for Iowa State because they're going to want to get bowl eligible um, against Kansas and everything. Um, so we'll see what we'll see what happens. And everything. Kansas I know I know is gonna want a better record because the better your record is, the better chance chance you had to get you got to get into a bigger bowl game. Basically the closest to New Year's Day like level games. And um, as far as the schedule goes, um As far as the schedule goes, it's going to be an interesting. Um, it's going to be interesting along the ways because we know they got Kansas State coming up. We know that. We know they got Kansas State coming up, and that's going to be a big game in its own right. There's no doubt that's going to be a big game in its own right, and that's going to be on the 18th. Because Kansas has got Texas. Kansas Kansas State's got to go to Texas um, this Saturday. Then they got Baylor at home, and then they got to go to Lawrence. So that's going to be an interesting game. And Kansas, like I said, in their own right, you know, they have a schedule ahead of them. They got Iowa State. They got Texas Tech at home. They got can't. They got Kansas State, like I said, and then they got to go to Cincinnati. And Texas Tech's record right now, uh, if I can look it up, um, let's see. Their record is three and five, so that's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting overall for all of them uh, going forward. So I can tell you this: the Kansas Kansas State game, depending on how both teams do in the next few weeks, is going to be really interesting, really intriguing. Because again, Kansas State's got Kansas, I should say. Kansas has Iowa State, and then I think Kansas State um, has got to go to Texas. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, both ways because Kansas State is going to probably want to do what Kansas did to Oklahoma and beat Texas you know so that way their Sunflower Showdown has a little bit more significance maybe down the line because like I say the the better the record the better chance you get to go into a bigger bowl game even if that bowl games you know earlier in the bowl season so we'll see what happens but yeah like I said it's very significant because it's the first time you know since I was a senior in high school that they did this you know so um, so you know that's great and everything and I have to correct myself I was just thinking about this I have to correct myself you know they didn't beat Oklahoma when they went 11 and one Oklahoma was the only loss as far as we know um, when they went to the Orange Bowl in 2008 so Oklahoma was the only loss everything else they won you know, everything else they won. So Oklahoma, like I said, was the only loss in, in everything. Um, but yeah, to to win it for the first time since 97, that's that's amazing. I mean, you think of all the, de all, you think about some of the good coaches they had, some of the 
decent coaches they had. I mean, they had some notable ones. They, they even had the coach from Notre Dame at one time, you know, come in to try to, you know, rebuild the program, you know, and that didn't work as far as I know. And, and that, yeah, it didn't work. I mean, it came close, but it didn't succeed what they wanted. But now you got this guy that, this Lance person from, who came came from the Mac School of Buffalo, uh, the Buffalo Bulls, and he's basically taking what he did there successfully and applying it to Kansas, and he's like, hey, you know, this, this school is more than just a basketball school. This school is a football school. He's doing what uh, Mark Mangini had, had done previously. He's doing what Mark Mangini had done previously, uh, like I said, around, you know, when the, the Jayhawks had that had that big win and everything. Um, Lance, um, his, Lance Leopold, um, his tenure, his coaching tenure is, um, let's see where he coached at. He coached at Buffalo, before that Wisconsin Whitewater, Nebraska Omaha. He was an assistant at Nebraska. He was an assistant at Nebraska Omaha. He, uh, was a graduate assistant at Wisconsin. You know, so, um, he has a decent record. You know, so he's worked elsewhere. And, get this, according to Wikipedia, his, according to Wikipedia, his overall coach, his head coaching record overall, 160 and 58. So that's pretty cool. And he's 2-2 two and two in bowls and 34-1 and one in NCAA Division Three playoffs. That's a decent resume. That's a decent resume to be, you know, when you combine it all together, to be 160 and 58. That's pretty good. You know, so, you know, so we'll see, uh, you know, what he does uh, now going going forward. You know, see what they're doing now uh, going forward and everything. Uh, and there's no doubt in my mind they're going to be, they're going to get ranked. They are definitely going to get ranked, um, if you will. They're going to get ranked um, down the line. You know, they're going to get. I mean, you beat a you beat the number seven team in the in the land, and there's no doubt they're going to get they're going to get ranked. There's no doubt they're going to get ranked. So, you know, so to me, you know, there's no there is no doubt in my opinion that. They're going to get ranked in a big, big way. I don't know what the projections will be, you know, this year. You know, I don't know what the projections will be uh, this year and all that. But all I know is that somebody's going to probably project them to go to something other than the Liberty Bowl. I think they'll project them maybe to go to potentially the Holiday Bowl if they, if they you know, if they continue succeeding. You know, maybe they'll make it at large if they really get good. We'll have to see. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, their record right now, um, let me, their record, right, you know, where they are in the Big 12, you know, that being Kansas, you know, where they are right now in the Big 12, there's six in the Big 12, apparently. That's according to the standings. There's six behind Kansas State and and Texas and Iowa State, but Iowa State's five and three. So that's that's going to definitely change, and everything. That's going to change. 
you know, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, you know, it, again, as far as bowl games go, someone's going to project them to go higher. There's no doubt. They're going to project them to go higher and everything. But be honest with you, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy because you, you can't tell me that, you know, other teams that they're going to be facing like Iowa State and Texas Tech and Kansas State are not going to look at this and be like, okay, what did what did Oklahoma do right, right, and what did they do wrong that we can improve, that we can prevent, you know, like, you can't tell me that the Cyclones or the Red Raiders are not going to be like, okay, what did, what did Oklahoma do wrong that we can avoid, and what did they do right that we can, you know, improve on? Like I was saying, um, you know, we'll just have to see what they do uh, next basically because again you can't tell me that a lot of these teams that they're going to be facing aren't going to look at what happened with Oklahoma and be like well okay what did they do wrong that we can avoid and what did they do right that we can improve on you know so um yeah they, you know they might be six and two now and ball eligible question is can they keep up that momentum because you know they're relying on a backup quarterback right now which is you know you know, not which is un, not un, you know not that uncommon for any college or pro, you know, pro football team, college or pro football team to do. Because we've seen that when you rely on the back, backup quarterback, that sometimes that might be a blessing. I know the 49ers have to depend on potentially Sam Donald uh, today against uh, the Bengals uh, at at home. So we'll have to see how that works out. But. Um, but yeah, you know, they were relying on a backup quarterback because the main one is out with an injury or something. So I'm assuming that once he comes back that, you know, that might be an improvement or they might go with being They might just rotate. You never know because they've been known to do that. But um, yeah, a lot of teams, in my opinion, are definitely going to be like, okay, they beat Oklahoma. Let's see what we can avoid, what mistakes Oklahoma made that we can avoid and what, and what uh, positive things they did that we can improve on. So we'll see. But that's it for that topic. And now on to the next one. Alright, next topic we have here is AEW All Elite Wrestling adds December pay-per-view called World's End. Now this is something that you know has been talked about for a while. I mean AEW has been adding more pay-per-views this year. Mostly part of the uh, deal that they on, they got ongoing with Warner Brothers Discovery. And now they've added a new one to close the year out. The question is, you know, they have eight pay-per-views right now. You know, is that too much? Or is that just the right amount? We don't know. Now, what this does too is it kind of complicates things a little bit in my opinion because... Full Gear, was, which is their next pay-per-view, is always looked at as their big pay-per-view. Basically, it's their, you know, it's the be-all, end-all, you know, to, to end a year on. You know, because we, because basically we don't get another pay-per-view until Revolution, which is around the end of February, beginning of March. So for them to change that dynamic and say, hey, we're doing World's End, it makes you wonder exactly what does that do with Full Gear? Now, some might say it kind of explains why Full Gear has a potential lackluster uh, main event for the World Championship. 
and, and such. And that might be true because maybe World's End is saving everything for that. Um, you know, but we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what, you know, they have uh, they have in mind as my computer is loading right now. I don't know what it's loading. <laughs> uh, but we'll have to see what they have in mind um, going forward. Because um, we know that when they debuted Wrestle Dream uh, this past week, on this past week, but basically last, I think it was early, yeah, earlier this month when they did Wrestle Dream, where Adam Copeland, formerly known as Edge, debuted at. Um, you know, uh, speaking of said debut, you know that moment happened um, at the end of the show. So you have to wonder if they're doing World's End to potentially debut some new talent because we know that there's some uh, former WWE talent that was released recently, some notable ones who's, you know, from the main roster, who's main, whose contracts, well, not contracts, but no, not, but non-compete clause, I should say, are going to be up, you know, around the time World's End possibly happens. So you have to wonder if maybe Tony Khan is doing this not just to, you know, improve his relationship with Warner Bros. Discovery, make sure they get a good TV deal going forward, hopefully get onto Max in the near future, but you, um, you have to wonder if he's doing this so that he can, just like with Wrestle Dream, have an excuse to debut some talent that you would never thought would show up in AEW because of their long ties with WWE. So you have to wonder if that's why he's doing this um, as well. Um, and he might. He just might be doing that. And you, there's, like I said, there's a ton of talent. There's Shelton Benjamin. There's uh, Dana Brooke. There's... Dolph Ziggler, you know, there's a lot of names, uh, main roster-wise, that got released that you might see in, you know, Elias, you know, potentially. Uh, Riddick Moss um, is another. I think, uh, who else got released that was Riddick? Uh, Emma, Tennille Dashwood, you know, so this might be the event where you see some of those people debut because, again, this is, this is around the time that apparently... You know, their contracts, you know, they, they might be up at that time. I'm, I'm going to see when the, the event is. There we go. Um, December 30th. So, yeah. World's End is December 30th. It's going to be at the Nassau Coliseum in Uniondale, New York, Long Island, New York. Um, so, so, yeah, it's basically the day before New Year's Eve. And you have to wonder, again, you take a look at when that those talents were released from WWE. To me, the timing couldn't be any better. Timing couldn't be any better for, for Tony Khan to, you know, use a new event to say, hey, I'm going to debut Dolph Ziggler, Nick Namath. I'm going to I'm going to debut Shelton Benjamin. I'm going to debut Tennille Dashwood. I'm going to de debut Riddick Moss, Elias. You know, I'm going to debut these people. And I'm going to bring them in, maybe under their name, under their, uh, you know, under their names or names that are similar to what people know them as. You never know. That might happen. That might happen, and which is why, again, like I said, is, is the reason he's doing this pay-per-view. Not just to um, show that he's a team player with Warner Bros. Discovery to try to get a new TV deal and get a deal on Max, but to also, you know, sign new talent to bring them in you know, and make them part of the roster. So we'll have to see, but yeah, they've they've um, added this new pay-per-view, which is apparently going to be the day before New Year's Eve. 
Um, and you have to wonder again, you know, if, you know, they're going to basically put all the emphasis now, uh, or they're going to take all the emphasis away from full gear, which was outside of, um, which was, you know, outside of, I believe, you know, all out and now all in as well was the second to third biggest pay-per-view of the year. I mean, nothing against double or nothing. That's a big pay-per-view. That's the first pay-per-view they've ever done. So one would consider that to be the WrestleMania, but now that's probably going to get dropped off into the third or fourth position, you know, as important pay-per-views. Like, you got to have your big four, right? You got to have your big four. So the way I look at it, the big four is going to be double or nothing, you know, all in, all out, and full gear, right? You know, that's what you have right now with AEW, but that could change to where it's going to be a big five, and the the fifth one's going to be Worlds Collide. Oh, not Worlds Collide, but Worlds End. It's going to be Worlds End. But will that take importance away from Full Gear to where Full Gear might just be looked at like revolution? Like, hey, this is a, a pay-per-view that starts us off. Or, you know, not, not a pay-per-view that, you know, is a filler. Like, you know, revolution, you know, has, you know, it, it, depending on who's behind it, could have decent buildup. But in the end, you know, it's just a pay-per-view sometimes that's just filler. Like, it has some decent stories and all that, depending on who's booking it. But most of the time, it's not treated with relevance, you know, like... You know, like um, you know, like double or nothing, or all in, or all out, or you know, a full gear. Heck, even Forbidden Doors treated a lot better than Revolution. So you have to wonder, again, like I said, where this is going to place full gear in the totem pole, right? Now, what what is AEW going to consider? Like, okay, these are our big four, big five pay per views, you know, of the year. These are the most important ones. We really got to put a lot of focus and emphasis into. And what is just our in-your-house filler pay-per-views, you know? You got to wonder exactly how they're going to look at that. And to me, if they're doing World's End, then I could, you know, and putting it right before New, right before New Year's, then I can definitely say they're going to be looking at that possibly as the pay-per-view that replaces Full Gear as their one of their big four, big five pay-per-views of the year. Like... You know, again, double or nothing, all in, all out, you know, um, you know, like I said, double or nothing, all in, all out, uh, you know, forbidden door, because they treat that with importance sometimes, and uh, and world's end. You got to wonder if maybe full gear, ear, along with revolution, is going to be on the outside looking in. You know, you have to wonder that, uh, along with Wrestle Dream. You got to wonder if Wrestle Dream. Um, full gear and revolution are going to be on the outside looking in and the others are going to be like the main the main shows that they really build things around you know you have to wonder that and if that's the effect world's end will have on full gear because like I said full gear was usually was traditionally looked at as the last pay-per-view for AEW up until revolution the next year in the at the end of February beginning of March so you have to wonder if it's going to have an effect of saying, hey, this is the bigger pay-per-view. This is going to have the more importance now. And Full Gear, like Revolution, and to an extent, Wrestle Dream are just filler. That's it. So you have to wonder. You have to wonder. But yeah, Tony Khan made the announcement. It's going to happen. And we'll see what we'll see what the end result is. We'll see if it will be the one that will replace Full Gear as part of the big, you know, big four, big five package, um, if you will, and everybody else like Full Gear, has to be on the outside looking in. The other three, that being Revolution, Wrestle Dream, and Full Gear. We'll have to see.
But that's just my thoughts on that. Give me your thoughts uh, down below and in the live chat. All right, next up, we're going to talk about Ray's, oh, Rise Frake Waterfield and how he may have trouble releasing Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey 2 uh, next February, which is, a, according to sources, is when the movie is scheduled to come out. And the reason I say he may have trouble is, even though the, the last remaining Winnie the Pooh character that's going to go into public domain is Tigger, and that happens at the beginning of next year, the, the truth is he may have trouble. He may have trouble because, you know, despite what people may say, like, oh, well, Disney won't be able to do this and that. Disney, honestly, they, they can find a way. They can find a way. Um, you know, I, I think what's going to happen is Disney is... I wouldn't necessarily say Disney, but I would say other people that want to do some Winnie the Pooh, uh, want to do their own... Um, their own uh, take on Winnie the Pooh, the more family-friendly take, if you will. Um, they may put a they may put a halt to this, if you will. They may put a halt to this or something, um, if you will, because when you look at this movie, you know you look at the first one. I was just watching Animats, um, Electric Dragon Productions. Uh, I was just watching Animat's uh, Let's Watch video, his short version, as well as he did a commentary on it. And basically, he agreed with everybody on how they felt about that first film. Like, yeah, this film, you know, is not, you know, <laughs> it's not everything it's cracked up to be and all that. It is, it is bad. It is just, like, terrible and everything. It's hard to watch, you know. And, like, it just didn't, didn't make sense. I mean, the ending you know, pretty much did not make sense. You know, it's like, you know, what's the point in all this, right? So the new ones coming out, so the sequel's coming out uh, in February. It's going to include Tigger. It's going to have Owl, Rabbit. I don't know about Kanga or Roo. I don't know about them, but it's apparently going to have Owl and Tigger. <laughs> so, you know, that's going to be interesting. I mean, Owl and, Rabbit, Owl and Rabbit obviously could be in it. You know, because they went into public domain along with the rest of, along with the uh, early, the first works of Winnie the Pooh, of a, of the Arthur's, uh, you know, stories. So they're fine to go into public domain with Pooh, uh, and Piglet. But now it's like, you know, you're bringing in Tigger, and he's like Pooh is very iconic with Disney. So, you know, people might say, well. It's just the earlier version of Tigger. It's not the Disney version. That's true. And the same was with, with, with and the same was with Winnie the Pooh. But you can't tell me that Disney doesn't see this and they're like, oh hell no, we can't let this happen, because they do. They do see it. I mean, why do you think you don't see that many DVDs or Blu-rays of the movie uh, being sold? And it's not because physical media is going out, you know, out of. Um, it's not because physical me media. It's going out, going out of style. That's far from it. You know, far from it. But why do you, why do you think you don't see them? Hmm? Why do you think you don't see them? It's because Disney is doing. In my opinion, Disney and anybody else that wants to see, wants to have Pooh remain family friendly, is doing everything they can to make sure this movie isn't seen. Yeah, you can watch it on Peacock all you want. You can buy it and rent it all you want. But the truth is, it's not because the movie's bad. You know, it's not because it's bad. 
it's because of the fact that Disney and others that want that family-friendly image of Pooh to remain are doing what they can to get rid of it. They are doing what they can to get rid of it, to remove it. And to me, I think that's going to cause a lot of trouble for this guy, for this Waterfield guy, uh, with releasing the second one next February because, you know, he's going to do, you know, he's, he's going through with the film. He's filming it. You know, it's one of those films that, you know, uh, doesn't, you know, doesn't necessarily, um, you know, have to worry about the actors striking everything by SAG, by SAG AFTRA, if you will. They don't have to worry about that uh, because they're very independent, you know. But still, this guy's going to have trouble. I've got a feeling he's going to have trouble and everything because you can make Tigger look as different as you as you want him to be. You can make Owl look as different as you want to be. People will still look at that as being Tigger. And being owl, you know, especially especially when it's connected to Disney, and then you take into consideration what happened um, not that long ago, because apparently, at one of those special schools and everything for um, gifted students or gift, you know, kids, you know, gifted students and everything, you know, apparently they showed Winnie the Pooh and Blood and Honey, the teachers, or at least somebody in the teacher staff did because of a study they wanted to do, and that got national attention. That got national attention, and you can't tell me it didn't get the attention of Disney. So Disney, probably hearing upon that, knowing what's going to happen here, they're probably being like, oh, heck no, we're not letting this happen. And if you think Bob Iger, who's back in charge, is going to let that happen, you think the people he's putting in charge in certain areas is going to let this movie happen in any capacity, <laughs> you're sadly mistaken, because they won't. And yeah, the, and the Waterfield guy could come up and say, well, you know, the version of Tinker I'm using is public domain. It, it's not connected to you. It's not connected. You know, it doesn't matter. They're going to look at that and say, no, you're not doing this. You know, and the, and you might say, well, they would have done something by now. Oh, they'll do something. They're waiting. They're waiting. They, they will buy their time. You know, they will buy their time and make sure this does not get a release in theaters. And if it gets a release, it's a very limited. And if it gets a physical and digital release, it's very limited. They're going to make sure that this movie, along with the first one, is pretty much, you know, removed from the psyche of a lot of folks that will have, that will want to see it just out of curiosity. Because they, along with anybody else that want that more family-friendly version of Pooh and his friends, they're going to make sure, yeah, it'll exist, but it'll be one of those movies that'll barely exist like you'll know it's there but you know you won't be able to watch it because we don't want because it's not how this character is supposed to be represented but you know that's just my opinion again i know tigger is going to be public part of the public domain just like Pooh, you know at the beginning of next year just like Pooh was at the beginning of this year but i think it's going to be a lot of trouble i think they're going to have a lot of trouble you know, trying to really get this movie noticed. Like, you know, they, they could try to run commercials. They could, you know, TV spots, if you will. YouTube TV, you know, YouTube TV spots. They could put trailers out there. They're, they're, but I guarantee you something's going to happen to it. It's going to be hard for them to get any of that notoriety for it because, you know, of what the first film was like, because of what happened to that, with, those, with that school. And the fact that when you look at Tigger's image, for this film, it looks 
Yeah, it looks different, but people can basically say, yeah, that's Tigger from Disney, and that's that's a deranged version of Tigger. But believe me, this gonna this, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. You may not believe me on that, but it will. It will happen. And I think this guy's got to just be ready for the fact that if he's going to do any more of these horror projects, like Bambi, he's going to do Bambi, The Beckoning. He's going to do Peter Pan, Never, Neverland Nightmare and such. You know, he's just got to be ready for the fact that, you know, um, he's going to face some complications going forward. He's going to face some complications and that he may may have to reconsider how, you know, how he does these things. Like he may have to consider, okay, maybe I want to do it this way, but I don't want trouble, so I'll do it this way. He may have to consider. But we'll see. But I, I believe he's going to have a little bit. I believe he may be facing some trouble releasing the second one. Just, just my opinion. All right, on to our next topic, guys. And our next topic is the fact that November 1st is when Christmas music will start playing on Music Choice and various other music, uh, musical um, outlets. And that is true. And I've talked about this before here on my YouTube channel, that it seems every year, you know, ever since I've moved back out here, um, Music Choice, you know, at least one or two of them, in Music Choice, which is a vid which is a channel on the various cable outlets like Comcast, AT&T, um, you know, like I say, Comcast, AT&T, Verizon, you know, um, you know, Dish Network, DirecTV, you, you get the idea. You know, it is a outlet, well not outlet, but it's a channel, a, a cable channel that plays non-stop music based on its genre. You know, you got rock and pop, you got soft pop, or soft rock, you got rock and pop, you got alternative, heavy metal, R&B, you name it. And you have Sounds of the Season. And Sounds of the Season, along with, I think, the Soft Rock channel, um, or another channel called Holiday Music, after Halloween, which is this Tuesday, on November 1st, which is Wednesday, is when they will start playing Christmas music. Now sometimes they'll wait until November second because they hey they still want they still have a commitment maybe to play Halloween uh, related music, but most of the time coming November first mostly like when you wake up get ready for work that's when the that's when you can tune into music channel and be like oh Christmas music playing so here we go, and they're not the only one you'll start noticing through Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, Pandora, iTunes. You know, you'll start noticing that a lot of the Christmas playlists will pop up. A lot of the Christmas stations, recommended stations will start popping up. As well as the over-the-air radio stations, you know, will start doing it as well. Including the series. Some of the radio stations set up through, um, uh, through devices like series and stuff. You know, they'll start doing it um, as well um, through the radio channels and networks. Like some, like some radio channels, like some over-the-air networks radio networks uh, will play it on occasions like you'll get mostly soft like if it's a soft rock station you mostly get normal soft rock and then once in a while you'll get uh, a version of Jingle Bells or you'll get All I Want for Christmas and and stuff like that you know like I said and like I said same with you know a series and some of the uh, channels as well so yeah November 1st is going to be an interesting day especially if you're a music lover because 
some of your more well-known uh, music stations that you listen to when you're driving to work or you might listen to on your you know your digital device like Spotify or iHeartRadio or whatever don't be surprised along with music choice don't be surprised if you start hearing Christmas music playing or being recommended for you around that time frame don't be surprised because you know after October 31st after Halloween passes that's pretty much a beeline for you know the holiday season I mean, when you really think about it, you know, right now, we are less than a few weeks away from Thanksgiving, you know, here in the U.S. And the Thanksgiving Day Parade. So that's that's huge to think about. But yeah, November 1st is when it's is when Christmas music will start playing on Music Choice and various other musical outlets. So it's, it, you know, so I would so if I was you, I'd be on the lookout for that. That'll definitely yeah, definitely get you in the holiday mood, probably more so than anything. I can tell you honestly, it's going to get me in a holiday mood because I know that when I'm at work, depending if I'm working still, and I'm praying I will, pray for me that I'll still be working at Kohl's, um, part-time mostly, maybe, um, which I think would probably be the best option for me, but, you know, pray I stay, I stay there. Um, you know, I, I know that from past experiences, I would listen to Christmas music you know, almost immediately around the same time because it'd get me in the mood, make me happy and everything. So, uh, so yeah, that's, so yeah, I'd start doing that around the same time. So I did, so anyway, yeah, I just wanted to talk about this because I know that some people get a little like weird, like why are you starting, why are they, because when it, because if it's not like the decorations being put out, it's, you know, it could be the, um, it's the music. So don't be surprised if you start hearing it, like, you know, through the over the air stations, and a and f you know mostly fm but sometimes am and also don't be surprised to like uh like sites like series radio and and all that and again spotify pandora iheart um itunes and all that don't be surprised if you start seeing recommendations for christmas stations to listen to playlists to listen to uh, and don't be surprised if you know over the air wise you start hearing a christmas song come on once in a while before we get right into the holiday season, and don't and don't be surprised when you tune into Music Choice if you use that as your musical outlet or your music outlet. Like let's say if you're just cleaning the house, you're just wanting to relax, and you're reading a paper or reading a book. You know, don't be surprised if that you start hearing Christmas music, holiday music coming out of that starting November first. But I just wanted to talk about that uh, and give me your thoughts on it, and on to the next topic. Okay, so next topic here, um, Trip, Trip the Sun Gazer is the newest Sonic female in the franchise. That's right. Um, this past week, along with Super Mario Brothers Wonder and uh, Spider-Man Two on the PS Five, um, Super Mario Brothers Wonder on the Switch, that is, the multi-platform game Super Sonic Superstars debuted. It is a callback to the classic Sonic games, um, if you will. You know, this time you have um, Amy Rose being playable in it as well. She can have a super form, which is pretty cool. Um, excuse me. But we also have a new character. We have a new character in Trip the Sun Gazer. And uh, she has an interesting backstory and everything. She, like Knuckles, is the last of her kind, or so we probably think. And, of course, she, um, you know, at first she, you know, 
tries to protect her home from Knack the Weasel or Fang the Weasel. And, you know, after he takes her down and basically captures her and takes her, takes him, takes her to Eggman, uh, Eggman tries to convince her, oh, I'm your friend and everything. Basically, she falls into the same scenario as Knuckles did several times. But she gets wise enough later on in the game because she does have her own story mode along with, along with Knack and everything. Somebody even who did the video on her said that their story was kind of like Wiley Coyote uh, chasing Rogue Runner. You know, every time they try to capture Sonic and his friends, they, the plans would backfire. And over time, Trip would realize, hey, these guys aren't my friends. These guys aren't really nice people. And so basically there comes a moment in the game where she just takes off her helmet, reveals, you know, her face. She's a sun gazer lizard, apparently. And when the seven emeralds were around her, she got her super form and it's a dragon. Because apparently her people uh, that she was part of have a super form when they're around the emeralds that turn them into dragons. You know, and that there was this one dragon that wanted more power, or one sun gazer as it wanted more power as a dragon and got trapped in the form and stuff like that. Um, you have to play the game. I haven't played it yet. I'm going to get it and play it. But, yeah, it's basically that. So, yeah, she basically is a, she basically, like I said, uh, turns good and everything. And it's mostly thanks to Amy Rose, who's in a classic Amy design, befriending her. And what I do like about Amy Rose as well, I'll, I'll put this out there is they do give you the option to let the classic Amy Rose wear the modern Amy Rose outfits. That's pretty cool. Uh, but anyway, it's Amy Rose that befriends her and everything when she sees her crying and everything because she fell down a hole or something like that. And it's only through the befriending that she realizes, hey, you know, Fang and Fang slash Snack and Eggman are not really her friends. You know, that's when she's had enough. And everything takes off the helmet, the emeralds surround her, and she turns into a super dragon form, which is basically too much for Fang to handle, even if he tries to use his mecha out, uh, mecha, uh, mecha, his mecha suit, if you will, or the mecha um, bot that he has. It's too much for him and all that. And in the end, she, you know, she becomes the newest friend and ally of Sonic, Amy, Tails, and, and Knuckles. So that's pretty cool. And, you know, that's pretty cool to see. So now the question is, where is she going to fit in as far as the overall franchise goes? Because these games, these Sonic Superstar games, you know, unless they're going to say, hey, they take place in another time, another place, you know, another time, another place, you know, unless they go that route, you know, I'm assuming that this is a flashback. Like, basically, we're, see we're, seeing, we're seeing the meat trip for the first time in a flashback. And that going forward, when you have the more modern version of Sonic, the more modern version of Amy, Knuckles, and Tails, and then you have Rouge and you know them, we'll see the modern. We'll see the I guess you could say updated modern version of you know of uh, of Trip. Like we'll probably see her as she as she was presented in the game, but a little bit more I guess you could say statuesque, if you will. I don't know if that's <laughs> that's a word. But yeah, I, I can definitely. But yeah, I'm definitely. I can definitely see her in future installments, mostly like with, you know, mostly like games like Sonic Frontiers and and such, uh, down the line. I could see that. You know, I could see that. So, so yeah, she's the newest female, and again, how she fits in is going to be really interesting. Um, go, you know, going forward, 
you know, how she'll be incorporated into the IDW Sonic book is going to be interesting as well. They may give it a one-off and everything, or they might say, okay, we're going to bring her in, but this is when we're going to bring her in. She's going to have a similar design and everything, but maybe a little updated for to fit in with the modern um, aesthetic, if you will. But yeah, she, she's uh, the newest character, and she's got, like I said, she's got a super form. So right now, if you count game character-wise or connected to games, you have Amy, you have Rouge, you have Tangle, you have Whisper, you have Blaze. Um, who else do you have? You have uh, Zena, uh, the Zete. Um, who else? Who else do you have besides her? You know, like I said, you have Amy, you have Rouge, you have Tangle, you have Whisper. You know, um, what did I just say? You have Blaze, A's as well. That's six, and then you have Zena of the Zete. Who else do you have? Um, I know there's more. Um, oh, Honey, by extension of Sonic Fighters, you have her. You know, um, who who else do you have um, outside of that? I know there's, I know there's more. I, I just can't think of it right now. Hold on for a second, guys. Hold on for a second. Yeah. Okay, you, okay, I got it right here. So. You have basically, like I said, you got Blaze, you got Tangle, you got Blaze, you got Rouge, you got Amy, you got Tikal, you got Cream, you got Vanilla. Those are the ones I was missing out on. I think an image right here. I think an image right here will help me. Um, so you got, yeah, you got you got them, you got Sticks, you got Wave the Swallow, okay. So you got Marina the Raccoon, you got Sticks the Badger, you know. And now you have, uh, and now you have um, trip. Now you have trip you know, to add to the equation. So let's see. That's um, that's Amy, Rouge, Whisper, Tangle, Blaze, Cream, Vanilla, um, Sticks, Marina. You know. Um, so yeah, you have a, a decent amount. You have a decent amount there. So that's what, like I said, that's that's what I'm looking at. You have a decent amount. You have uh, Amy. You have Blaze. You have Tango, Whisper, uh, Rouge, Cream, Vanilla, Tikal, Sticks, Wave, Marina, Shade, and Honey by extension, and now uh, Trip. Uh, and Tara, and if you want to count Tara Babuski, if you will, so that's almost like a dozen, if not a do over a dozen females when you add in Trip. So that's a pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good, you know, group to be part of, uh, to add to, and everything uh, when it comes to the overall game portion of the Sonic franchise, um, main game portion, if you will. So that's pretty good. It's pretty good to see. But again, the question is like, what exactly is she going to be doing going forward? I can see her being involved in future Sonic games, you know, like Frontiers, maybe the sequel to Frontiers, you know, and so on. Maybe she becomes a DLC character in Frontiers. Who knows? 
but yeah, it's interesting to, to see her there. It's interesting to have this kind of a character around who usually when we see the characters get a super form, it's just like they turn another color or bright another color and everything. They just become like a not like unstoppable force. Here she doesn't. Here she changes forms. That's pretty good. That's pretty cool. So, so yeah, um, it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with her. What I do like is I noticed this on DeviantArt one time. Somebody's already starting to potentially ship her with tails by having Amy show up with uh, Trip in a bikini and saying hi to Tails. So <laughs> it looks like they're gonna try to ship Tails with with uh, Trip now, and it's like my God, what is Tails must be a ladies' man. Because everybody wants to ship somebody with him, even in the more adult uh, category, if you know what I mean. But yeah, uh, she, but yeah, she's the newest Sonic female in the franchise. And uh, let me know what your thoughts are on it. And on to the last and final topic. Alright, for our last and final topic here, we're going to talk about Elo, Elo, Eloplex. And Raphael back together in the main IDW Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic. And where does that place Ninjara when she debuts? Because yes, Ninjara is coming in. And just like, you know, Venus and Mona and Lisa uh, before her and other characters, she's going to be a little more different in design and maybe perhaps even background. But yeah, if you guys have been following the comics, you know, unfortunately I haven't. The only way I've been following them is through um, Google and through the Technodrome forums and, uh, through Pat and through various free Patreons and all that. But apparently, uh, Aeroplex and Raphael kind of broke up at the beginning of the Armageddon game because she did not trust Hiroko Saki, a.k.a. Shredder, who apparently had turned good. Um, and was going to join the, the Turtles, you know, for this event, you know, help them, you know, battle what was coming. Now, I don't know what happened in between. Apparently a betrayal may have happened. I'm not really sure. You guys can fill me in on that if you can. Um, but basically, Aeroplex had, during this time, and you got to wonder how much time went by. It, doesn't seem, it shouldn't be that long. Created her own clan, you know, because she wanted to prove that she could lead, that she could be a leader, she can be on her own. But apparently that all backfired. Uh, kids in her clan, we don't know if they were her children. We don't think they were her children. Uh, were being kidnapped by the main villain of this, the main doctor. And basically, it got to a point to where she got injured, severely injured. Not, you know, like on death's door or anything, but just severely injured. To the point that Raphael was attending to her in an abandoned building. And she was just, you know, apologizing, you know, the way it was described, she was just, you know, talking in a way to where, you know, her wounds, you know, her being beat up so badly was, it was getting to her, you know, making her say things she doesn't mean. But Raphael says, hey, it, you know, I'm here for you and everything. You're just, you know, talking nonsense. You're going to be all right. And there's a moment in one of the issues where, you know, I think she's, Eloplex is like, you know, you know, t telling Raphael he needs to go and, you know, take care of the city, make it his priority or something like that. Again, I haven't read the books, but the scene that is up there that somebody put on the Patreon is him looking at her and saying, no, you're my priority. You are my priority right now. Kind of, I guess in a way, alluding to the fact that he's now realizing that, you know, he still cares for her. 
you know, despite them having a big blow up when they got reunited, if you will, um, you know, despite having a big blow up and all that, he realizes he still cares for her. He still loves her, apparently. And, you know, he's, I mean, he even apologized. And you know, this is something like Raphael's character has never been known to do that much of because it, you know, it, you know basically it hurts his pride. But, you know, he apologized to her for not listening to her when it came to Hiroko Saki. Basically, not, I guess you can say, you know, uh, talking it over with her, you know, before they did it and saying, hey, you know, we're going to, we're considering bringing in the shredder to help us out. You know, he's turned over a new leaf. You know, what are your thoughts? And maybe get her thoughts on it. Like, you know, maybe that's not a good idea and, and such. So, you know, so basically he apologized to her for, for not, you know, listening to her about that. Because, again, I don't know what happened. But, you know, he's apologizing for the fact that he should have, you know, at least let her have a say in it. You know, if she was going to be part of his life, part of the team. So, and so, yeah, it seems that what it looks like here, and I think a lot of people pretty much predicted this might happen, is, you know, right, right from the beginning of the Armageddon game, I think what a lot of people predict, you know, predicted from right off the start, uh, before the Armageddon game, actually, because the breakup happened a little before that in Preludes, is that these two would get back together, and they are. It looks like that, from what I can tell, that looks like the direction they're heading in. But the question, <coughs> the question, excuse me, the question now is, where does that leave Ninjara when she debuts? Because, yes, Ninjara, I did a video on this, is showing up uh, in the comics real soon. We don't know if it's at the end of the Armageddon game, during the Armageddon game, we're not really sure. We're not sure if she's going to have the same background or similar one that she had in the Archie books, where she comes from an island of humanoid foxes. Or she's going to be somebody that was mutated into a humanoid fox. We're not really sure. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how she'll fit in. Because a lot of fans that followed the RGTMNT book, that are probably invested in, into the IDW book, you know, they know about the relationship, the history between Raphael and Ninjara. So you got to wonder if that's going to have, that's going to play a, a, play a role uh, in the book. you got to wonder. Now, we know that they are apparently teasing, you know, romantic-wise, you know, something between Michelangelo and their version of Venus. We could see that. Um, I don't know about Leonardo and Karai, if they're teasing something there. Uh, we don't know what Donatello's situation is. But obviously, again, fans know about Ninjara and Raphael's relationship from the comp, from the Archie book. So you have to, wo <coughs> so you have to wonder... If they're going to be putting Raphael back with, um, back together with Aeroplex, you have to wonder if they're going to put, you know, somebody um, with Ninjara. They're going to put Leonardo with Ninjara. They're going to put my. They're going to put Donatello with Ninjara because again, like I said, it seems like they're teasing something between Michelangelo and Venus. I'm just saying, but we'll have to see, and it'll be an interesting dynamic and everything. You know, some people have pretty much projected if not predicted that there could be a connection between Eloplex and Ninjara and that might be something interesting as well uh, you know when she debuts but we'll have to see but yeah it seems though that they are probably getting back together in the main IDW TMNT book and how Ninjara fits in we'll have to see you know 
Because apparently she is going to start off maybe as a bad guy or as a vigilante or something. And she'll befriend the turtles. We know that's probably going to happen. But again, who who would she end up with romantic-wise? Would it be Leonardo? Would it be Donatello? We'll have to see. Uh, or will they make her a lesbian and she ends up with Jenica? You know, the female turtle. You know, we'll have to see. Uh, but, but, we'll have, but again, well, but again, it's going to be an interesting dynamic. Now, you might say, well, Jenica already has a lesbian love interest, right? Yeah, I think she does and everything, but she still could be on the table as a potential love interest if they want to do that with Ninjara, the version of Ninjara. We'll have to see. But if she's off the table, then I'm looking at either Donatello or Leonardo. We'll have to see. We'll have to, and I know I'm saying we'll have to see a lot here, so I do apologize. But we'll have to just look forward to what they have planned. And, you know, what they have planned and everything. And whether or not she has a connection to Alloplex. And, you know, you know what what the connection could be there and how Raphael will be involved. It'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, apparent, but yeah like I said, it looks like they're getting those two back together in the comic, in the main TMNT book from IDW. And how Ninjara plays a role will be interesting to see because, again, fans, know, they know about her relationship with Raphael and how they kind of, you know, um, answer that, how they kind of, you know, get, you know, kind of uh, answer that and contemplate that and maybe even, you know, do something similar but with another turtle, whether it is Leonardo, whether it is Donatello, or if she doesn't have anybody anymore, maybe from a lesbian perspective, Jenica will have to see. But yeah, you know, it seems um, it seems that this relationship between Eloplex and Raphael is mending and it's going to get back on its feet, apparently. Um, and we'll just see what they do from there. We'll see what they got, what plans they have with Ninjara when she shows up. Um, and if she plays a factor down the line, you know, it will be something to pay attention to. I will say that. Um, but like I said, I think a lot of people predicted that Aeroplex and Raphael may end up back together, you know, ever since the breakup in the Prelude to Armageddon game occurred. Because it's like, why, why break them up? You know, you know, why break them up when they had such a, dy a good dynamic? I mean, I have the comic where it looked like Rocksteady and Bebop killed Donatello. And you could see the chemistry they had there. It's a strong chemistry. You know, so... So I don't think, you know, they will, uh, so I don't think they'd want to, IDW, the people behind the book, would want to ruin that in any any case. You know, they don't want to go down the road, apparently, that Archie did with Ninjara and Raphael in the TMNT book, with when the, at the end of Moon Eyes, the Moon Eyes saga. So I think a lot of fans knew that this would probably happen, and I'm pretty sure they got smiles on the faces, hoping that it comes full circle. But again, what Ninjara does when she shows up, you know, based on fans um, knowing her history from the Archie books, you know, with Raphael, it's going to be interesting. Now, some people may say, well, she doesn't have a history with Raphael, all the turtles in IDW. And again, that's what I'm saying. It's going to make things interesting because fans are going to expect her to be romantically involved either with Raphael or, if it's not Raphael, either Leonardo, Donatello, or maybe from a lesbian perspective, Jenica. We'll have to... Just have to, we just have to stay tuned to see what they do. Uh, but anyway, that's all I want to say on that. Let me know what your guys' thoughts are on Elplex and Raphael possibly back together in the main IDW book. How do you feel about that? Also, let me know what your thoughts are on Ninjara when she show, and how you feel about when she shows up and what do you think her involvement will be. And 
that's about it on that topic. Okay, so in closing, guys, I want to thank you for listening to this Topics on My Mind for today, the 29th of October, two days before Halloween. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, let me know what your thoughts are on each topic down below. I will have timestamps as best as I can uh, for each of them. So you can go straight to them if you don't want to listen to the whole thing. This will also be on my BW Roses podcast um, as well. And until next time, guys, let me know what your thoughts are, like I said, on each of the topics. How do you feel about each of them, from the Lady Drossomite thing, to Mike Johnson being the health speaker, the Kansas Jayhawks winning, AEW adding a pay-per-view in Bulls End. You know, what are your thoughts on uh, Waterfield possibly having trouble releasing Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, you know, in February next year? Your thoughts on Christmas music starting almost literally 24, you know, literally on November 1st, the day after Halloween. Your thoughts on Trip to Sungazer being the newest Sonic female in the franchise. And your thoughts on Aeroplex and Raphael being possibly back together on the main IDW book of TMNT. And where do you think Ninja will fall in when, you know, when it comes to that when she debuts? Uh, let me know what your thoughts are, guys. And until then, I am out. You all have a good day.